From the Asset Builder headquarters in Dallas, Texas, welcome to Keep It Simple, a show that discusses simple techniques and philosophies to help de-stressify investors around the world. I'm your host, Jared Herzog, and welcome to the show. Today, we're learning from our esteemed veteran registered investment advisor, Adam Morse, and our human economic database and fearless CIO, Michael French. And today, we're talking about social security. Is your social security enough? And will it be enough to keep you afloat as inflation and prices of goods and services continually rise? Michael and Adam discuss how retirees survive in today's economic climate and what you can do to maximize that social security. Guys, thank you so much for listening to the podcast each and every week. Be sure to email us if you have any questions or any suggestions for any future episodes. Our email is at podcast at assetbuilder.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, let's get to the show. Good morning, guys. Good morning, uh, how are y'all doing? doing? How are you well. doing, Michael? Doing I'm good? doing good. Yeah. Hey, I have a quick question. Who, who do you guys think now, not who do you want to win, but who do you guys think is going would win in an arm wrestling match between both of you? Adam. Adam. I said that in the first person just so that everyone knew the answer was clear. <laughs> <laughs> Third person, definitely me. Michael, I thought I would, you worked out, man, in your garage all the time. Yeah, but I would like I would mace Adam in the face and then I would punch him <laughs> and then I would sit on his arm and it still wouldn't move. I'm, I'm more you, just concerned about me, like Michael's brittle bones not being able to hold up. If you ask me who would win if we uh, did some sort of CrossFit total body workout, I would still feel pretty me. good about now. Still me. Oh, no. please. Like if we oh, said, for instance, okay, guy. get on a bar, get on a bar and do as many pull-ups as you can. We're going to race to a hundred pull-ups, but every time you drop off, you have to run a 200. I think I would crush you. Crush? Uh, oh. I would beat you by minutes. No chance. How many no pull-ups chance. do you do without dropping off a bar? Without dropping off a bar, probably, I think by about 25, 30, I'd be starting to feel it. Okay. So you do it and time yourself. I'll do it and time myself, and we'll compare numbers. Let's talk about something that people probably actually want to hear about. <laughs> yeah, you can edit all of this out. <laughs> yeah, this is all superfluous. That's Thanks why you got to keep Michael and I on track. Yeah. <laughs> so today we're talking about uh, Social Security. Okay, so for tens of millions of Americans, there isn't a program that bears more importance to their financial well-being than Social Security. And according to the Social Security Administration, 62% of retirees lean on the program to account for at least half of their monthly income. So as reported on October 13th, Social Security beneficiaries can expect to receive a 1.3% COLA, uh, I guess, increase when the calendar changes over to 2021. Michael, my first question to you is what prompts the increasing of Social Security payout? Is it routine? And how do they figure it out? So that's uh, it's actually in the law uh, that uh, there has to be a COLA adjustment. Um, COLA just stands for cost of living adjustment. Um, by law, there is a uh, an adjustment made to whatever the Social Security um, amount is, and that adjustment is also. Uh, it's not just arbitrary. We don't pick a number and think, eh, people can probably get by on an increase of this. Uh, there is a number that the Bureau of Labor and Statistics produces. It's called the Consumer Price Index. And there are several, actually, Consumer Price Indexes 
but mm-hmm. there's a consumer price index, which is just uh, an index of all the prices that a typical consumer would pay for a basket of goods that that consumer would consume. So mm-hmm. how much would, 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 chuck, chuck? That's what that just sounded like. Um, <laughs> But it, the, the question is just how much should the how much would this consumer have paid this year? Now, if you take that same basket of goods and you measure it next year, how much did the cost go up by? And now let's adjust Social Security by that same amount. And that's how they do it. And, and that's it's called, all by law. And that's called the CPI, right? And you said there was a couple different ones, three different ones. Yeah. Uh, so there's the CPI, uh, the CPIU, the CPIW, and the CTC CPIU. Um, they they all are trying to measure different things. I think um, U, for instance, is urban consumers. And I believe some of these. Uh, again, I'm not a I'm not a math nerd by any stretch of the imagination, but. Uh, these mm-hmm. these are all uh, some of these, I believe, have regional adjustments that you make. Um, but Social Security, the adjustment is made nationwide. So, uh, for instance, CPIU uh, might if, if you were collecting Social Security in one state versus another state or in one urban area versus a rural area, you might uh, have different adjustments. But they don't use that. Uh, I believe it's CPIW. So. Um, that is the adjustment that's made, and it's made across across the nation. Now, Adam, a 1.3% um, would basically for, so I have a list here. So for an aged couple, that would basically increase their monthly by about $33. Um, for widows or widowers, it'd be about by $21. For disabled worker, it'd be about $29. Um, and then a widowed mother with two children, it'd be about $39. In your opinion, um, do you feel like this adjustment is enough to offset inflation and the prices of goods in 2021? Well, I, I think so. It's going to differ a little bit for everybody, right? Because no one's actual budget, no one's actual spending patterns are going to match up perfectly to any of the CPI measures, right? So mm-hmm. for some folks, it's going to be enough. For some, it's not. Um, I think the question is how close how good of a job are the CPI measures doing in, in right. tracking inflation and, and actually tracking not just inflation, but the inflation where it matters for most people getting Social Security, right? So if you're 70 getting Social Security right now, your spending is going to look different. The, the things you buy on a regular basis might be different than, um, say, you know, a 45-year-old who's currently working and has teenage kids. One of those things we could look at would be something like healthcare, right? Healthcare spending. Right. Um, the older you get, the more the more you consume uh, healthcare goods and services. Well, healthcare goods and services, and I don't know the exact amount, Michael. You might know off the top of your head, but healthcare. If you were to just look at you know a graph over time, the x-axis being your lifetime, the further along you get to the right on the x-axis, the sharper that line goes in terms of consumption on healthcare, right? So. Your healthcare spending increases at a faster rate than the average of all the other goods and services that the CPI measures. So I think the argument you could make if you wanted to say that it's not enough is that the CPIW it doesn't quite capture as specifically as it could the goods and services um, that that retirees and people in general that are on Social Security um, are consuming the most of. 
um, obviously inflation has been very low now for years. So, um, I think that because it does get adjusted every year, I think the, the upside is most people, even unintentionally probably just find a way to, um, I mean, as you mentioned, you you said this out, I think it was, uh, 80% of people, uh, rely on social security to cover over half of their 62, 62% of people rely on, on, on social security to provide over half their income. So, right they really don't even have an option, right? They're going to find month to month and year to year, these little ways to, to shave whatever they have to shave to get it to fit within that amount. Um, so at least those, those things happen gradually, but, um, you know, I, I do think the CPI could probably do, you know, I, I think it would be helpful for retirees if there was, let's say a CPI R right. Or a, a CPI, um, um, S for social security, whatever you want to call it. That was specifically designed to to track the goods that that retirees are actually consuming. And let me just add one of the things to to what Adam just said is that um, they did a the, there's a something called the Senior Citizen League, and it's a um, I don't know what, if they would say it's a policy think tank or what it is, but they did a survey, and over a thousand respondents. Um, sent back a response and said that their monthly expenses went up by more than 79% uh, year over year. Um, But 50% of the respondents said that their COLA increased the benefits by less than $5 a month after you deducted the Part B, the Medicare Part B premium. And this was back in 2019, uh, 2018 maybe. Um, And so essentially what Adam's saying is true. Medicare says, hey, we're going to provide you insurance, but we're going to adjust your premiums. So mm-hmm. think about that in, in a non-retiree's world. What is that? That's, well, my health insurance just went up. Okay, so I got a cost of living increase, and that was $79. And that was supposed to account for all of the costs, all of my expenses. Well, if 74 of those $79 went to just my health insurance, that meant that the entire other basket of goods that I have to pay for can only go up by $5. Mm-hmm. You would have to have really low inflation. So um, Adam's point, I think, is, is, is pretty spot on that as people get older uh, in health care, whether it's your medical premiums or uncovered, you know, out-of-pocket out of expenses, those go up at a faster rate than most other uh, costs that are associated, uh, that are covered in a CPI. So they do not uh, take into account healthcare costs in a CPI reading? I'd have to look that up. Uh, We'll put in the show notes. We can put in the show notes what- How they uh, do it, okay. uh, Yeah, like there's there's actually um, some really good information. But essentially, this what what is it? Essentially, what they're looking at is the CPI for workers. And so, who are workers? By definition, they're people who are not retired. So, mm-hmm. the basket of goods that they consume, for instance, their health insurance um, is one of the things that they consume. But you have workers, people who are younger, are having fewer, uh, their premiums are increasing at a slower rate than seniors. And so, sure, a 45-year-old may have had an increase, 
But if you gave a 45-year-old that same $79 per month to account for the changes in the prices of everything he's consuming, I would bet against him having to have paid $75 of the 79 towards an increase in health care coverage. I could be wrong. We'll get a lot of comments, I'm sure, about, you know, uh, the Affordable Care Act and how, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm paying way more or maybe not. Um, but we aren't looking at specific individuals. When you look at a broad group of people, I would just say that for a 45-year-old, and, and that's part of who's being measured in CPIW, yes, you're measuring their increases in healthcare costs, but they aren't going up by as much as a senior's healthcare costs are going up. So and you, you're consuming, and you're consuming much less of it as a 45 year old. I mean, right. on that's average, the, yes, on average, that's the real key. Because, like, just to use a very simple example, like this year, the cost of fuel has gone down, right? Okay. Well, the cost of healthcare has gone up as it has every year for I don't know how many years in the past. Well, the CPIW, and I'm just going to really oversimplify this. <clears throat> Let's say the CPIW weights fuel 50 percent and weights healthcare 50%, all right? Fuel might go down by, let's just say, 5% in a year. Healthcare goes up by 10%. That's a net increase of 5%, right? Okay, so the CPIW goes up by 5% this year. Well, for a healthcare, for, for a retiree, I mean, I just know from, you know, <clears throat> watching my grandparents age until they unfortunately passed, obviously, they weren't the most mobile individuals that I knew. You know, they spent a lot of time at home. They they might leave occasionally to go to the grocery store or whatever, but they weren't, let's say, the highest consumers of fuel, right? So the fact that <clears throat> the cost of fuel decreased benefited them much less than the increase in the cost of healthcare hurt them, right? Because they're still they are consuming lots of healthcare, right? So. If the cost of healthcare goes up 10 and I experience 90% of that increase, but I only experience, let's say, 20% of the decrease in the cost of fuel, well, my cost has still gone up and my adjustment is less than my cost. So that's just one way to illustrate, I think, the bind that, that a lot of retirees are in. I mean, you look at that same study Michael referenced by the, the Citizens League the, to just illustrate how kind of the disparity here mm -hmm. since 2000 uh, purchasing power for social security has been eroded by 30 percent so a retiree getting social security at the end of 1999 compared to today could buy 30 percent more goods and services yeah oh they can buy more no no, no. no. in 1999 you could buy 30 percent more goods and oh. services than you can today and why is that the payout's lower or, or that's just inflation, inflation. Okay. in other words inflation has far outpaced the adjustments to oh, okay. Social Security, which okay. is just another way of saying that that's why I kind of started by saying I think we need to re reassess. Now, why is that Adam? the CPI? Why? Why has it fallen behind? My assertion would be because I think the CPI is a poor proxy for what the actual inflationary behavior is on the things that retirees are, are consuming and okay. buying. So I think there's just a discrepancy. The, the COLA is made based off of the CPI. Right. So the CPI measures a lot of things. Well, if if the COLA is not enough to cover what actual inflation is for retirees, then that really just leads us to one conclusion, which is, well, then it shouldn't be tied to the CPIW. Right. So can can I read? Let me just read an, an excerpt from the executive summary. And this will kind of 
it's math, but it'll put it into uh, put it into perspective. So for every hundred dollars that a retired household spent in 2000, the same household can only buy sixty six dollars worth of goods and services today. Mm-hmm. So if you had a hundred dollars and it bought you X today, you can only spend sixty six. So um, home heating oil is the example that they used. If you have a home, uh, an oil tank that holds 500 gallons, then back in 2000, you paid $575 to fill it up. And that was in January of 2000. In 2018, the same household had to pay $1,610 for the heating oil. Okay. Now, in 2000, the average Social Security benefit was $844 a month. So you received $844 and you had to pay $575 to fill up your heating tank. So you would have money left over. But in 2018, with the COLA increases, the, the, the benefit that you received was only $1,193. But it cost you $1,600 to fill up the heating oil. So now you're $500 behind just to fill up this. And this is just an example of, mm-hmm. of a very specific place where you were trying to fill up your heating oil. Um, we're in Texas, and so we're like, what's heating oil? But, you know, if you live in a lot of parts of the country, this is a very real thing. And so it's, yes, my, the, the things that I need to buy are increasing uh, at a faster pace than this check that I'm being given by the government. And so eventually what happened is just in 20 years, you went from getting a check and being able to fill up your heating tank and having money left over to if I need to fill up my heating tank, I've got to wait for my Social Security check and then come up with another $500 on top of that. So it, 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 that is a big swing. It's a very big swing, especially if you're on a fixed income where, mm-hmm. to, your, to your point and Adam's point earlier, 60% of people, 59 million people. 60% of Social Security recipients, something like that. Um, 64 million. 64 million people uh, say that this accounts for over half of their income in retirement. So it's going to be, it's going to make a significant impact to those people. Sorry, 64 million is the total amount of people that are on Social Security, just to Sorry, be clear. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then a, a more than half of those people right. say that the Social Security is, yeah. At least half their monthly income. Now, right. now, Adam, without getting too political and at the risk of possibly being redundant, what, what is the solution here? What could the CPI take into account that would be a sufficient measure uh, to give the proper payout in Social Security? Well, <clears throat> I mean, simply put, I think they need to reassess how how they're measuring those goods and services. So make adjustments to the CPIW, perhaps create a new measure, a new CPI, specifically designed to capture the actual consumption and spending patterns of retirees. Um, I think that's probably the easiest way to do it. Now, the the problem with doing that is, I mean, we, we all hear about you know, the state of the Social Security Administration, the, the, the level to which it is underfunded. <clears throat> um, and so you know, looking at, I, I think politicians are probably more focused on how long can we keep Social Security as opposed to how quickly can we increase Social Security payouts. Right. Um, so I think that's probably not something that I would be holding uh, my breath for if, if I was someone on Social Security. Um, 
which I think is why one of the best things you can do is make sure that if you're, you know, if you're fortunate enough to have um, outside investments or another income stream uh, outside of Social Security, make sure that you're doing all you can um, in an appropriate risk-adjusted way to to make up the difference, right? To to try to make right. sure that if Social Security isn't doing its job in terms of keeping up with inflation, what other levers do you have to pull? Um, you know, can you, you know, are you someone that is able to um, take a little bit of additional risk in your portfolio to try to pace inflation um, more accurately? You know, some folks don't have to do that. If you have enough assets where you can just draw on principle and not expose yourself to that that volatility, that's a great thing. Um, but it's just something, it's a conversation to have with, um, you know, whomever it is that that you might work with to, to manage these things for you. Uh, make sure that you've addressed the idea of inflation, especially if you're if you're early on in retirement. If you have a 20, 25, 30 year time horizon, it is very, very important to maintain and protect you um, over time just to make sure you can. Uh, well, what was the number, Michael? I think it's if inflation is just two percent, right, which historically is still pretty low. If right. inflation is two percent for 20 years, your costs have doubled. So if you're early on in retirement and you have a 20 plus year time horizon, which on average you would, <clears throat> that just kind of demonstrates how important it is to make sure that you're you're accounting for these things. We used to we used to ask the question, uh, ask the ask the question to people, what would the price of bread be in or gallon of milk? I forget. Remember, Adam, we used to ask that question to people and people were always surprised. They were like, wait, wait, wait. And that what inflation rate is that? And, mm-hmm. and it was. It was just surprise. It's surprising, I think, for people to think of something that costs a dollar costing three dollars by the end of their life. You know, mm-hmm. you retire, something costs a dollar by the end of your retirement. If you live uh, long enough, it could. Co- and, and we are just talking about standard inflation. We're not even talking about hyperinflation or uh, higher inflation. Right. So now, Michael, I know we've talked about this before, but briefly. Um, what are some things that we can do to maximize our social security payouts? So examples would be like delaying social security um, and other avenues as well. Let's briefly talk about what we can do to maximize that social security. Okay. So the, the simple one is, uh, well, the, the first thing is this does not apply to everybody. This would apply to somebody who is in good health and believes that they're going to live uh, longer than the average person. If you, for instance, uh, don't believe that about yourself, if you think for whatever reason, your medical uh, history or medical conditions, if you think you might be uh, going to die early, this wouldn't apply to you. Um, But on average, for every year you wait to take Social Security, you get about an 8% increase, approximately an 8% increase in what you will receive as your payout. Um, and and that means that that number would continue for life, and that number would be adjusted by CPI. Um, mm-hmm. So if you uh, you know do the math, if you take if you take an uh, a payout starting at sixty two, let's say you took it early, um, and you got twenty two hundred dollars. I forget what the number is, but it's it's over three thousand dollars that you would get if you just waited until seventy. Now. That means that you have those eight intervening years where you're not getting anything 
And so that's why, you know, if you die at 72, well, then that was a bad decision to make because you, you only received the higher payout for two years. And the sum of everything you could have received would have been greater if you had taken it at 62. Um, right. In general, though, if and, and, and honestly, the actuaries who do this math are just calculating and assuming that everybody's going to live to be that average age. So. Uh, you can delay social security, delay taking social security and receive a higher payout. There are also social security claiming strategies that, uh, we can't really talk about them because they're specific to individuals, but, um, they, uh, between spouses, uh, if you have one spouse who's a certain age and the higher earner versus the other spouse is the higher age, um, sorry, the higher earner. Um, younger age, older age, um, all of that can be um, manipulated to allow a couple to receive the highest uh, benefit. And you really need to talk to uh, probably your financial advisor to walk through that because there are, for the most part, uh, for, for many people, there are other streams of income that you're also having to negotiate. So if if you have, for instance, a pension that's associated with only one life, um, that affects something versus if you have that same pension, but it's going to pay out for both spouses' life, then you would make a different, uh, potentially make a different selection uh, or decision about Social Security. So all those things are something that you really need to talk to a financial advisor about to mm -hmm. kind of get a full picture. But in general, the one rule of thumb is the longer you wait, the higher your monthly check is going to be going forward. Adam, anything you want to add on to that as far as no. maximizing Social Security? Okay. I don't think so. I, I think the key would just be to, you know, like Michael said, uh, it's different for everybody. And Social Security, much like Medicare, much like healthcare, it's it's one of those things that, you know, there's so many layers to it that it, it is very individualized. So just make right. sure you're you're talking to someone that is experienced that has the knowledge to be able to help you get, walk through that. But um, I agree with everything Michael said. Thank you guys so much. Uh, we will catch up with you later, and we'll get the results of your pull-up contest. <laughs> oh, Sounds I'm already good. stretching. I'm already <laughs> stretching. I can't wait. I might use two arms just to make it fair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I think I think we should have the video just so we know there's no there's no funny business. Yeah, there's no funny. I know it's probably hard to get a wide enough angle for Michael, but he'll find a way. Oh. We'll just maybe if he may, he'll just have you know Sarah stand really far away or something maybe that'll work. That just sounds <laughs> cruel. I don't know if we have a high enough camera speed to film me doing pull-ups <laughs> with both arms. This could go on all day. This could go it on could. all day, Jared. You need it to could. Us we better just get out of here. <laughs> yeah. All, all right. right. I'll Thank talk you to guys. you guys later. Bye. All right. Bye. This podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not to be construed as an offer, solicitation, recommendation, or endorsement of any particular security, product, or service. For more information, visit assetbuilder.com.
If you have a question for either Michael or Adam concerning this topic or anything else, please visit assetbuilder.com slash podcast. There you can find their contact information as well as the show notes for every single episode. 